0: well here we are at the end of the 2022 season the Phillies did not force their first ever game seven in the world series they lost to the Houston Astros they remain the National League champions forevermore for 2022. And you know what? That's still pretty awesome. Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Boyer. This is Phillies Therapy, the first off-season edition. Well, at least the 2022-23 off-season edition, where Matt Gelb and I, Matt Gelb, the athletic, are joining you to set the stage, set the table for the feast of off-season activity that is about to befall you. There is a lot that's going to happen with this team over the winter. I know baseball just finished. We're not used to it going into the first week in November where our team's still in it and playing for something. But there we go. The time between the season ending and the fun beginning again has shortened dramatically, and we're getting right back into it. The GMs are meeting out west already. No sleep for Dave Dombrowski. Free agency, which is not typically as exciting as, say, the NBA, is opening on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, where uh, agreements can officially be reached between uh, teams and players who are not already on the team. This is the uh, the, the, the exclusive negotiating window we're in right now. Uh, the option deadline is the same day, although that's not really relevant for the Phillies anymore. We'll get into that in a minute. The contract tender deadline to set your 40-man roster, which is important as far as this team is concerned, is nine days away on November 18th. After that, there are a couple of weeks to prep for the rule five draft during the winter meetings. The winter meetings will be in San Diego this year. Matt, you get to go back out west to beautiful San Diego again. How about that? That's December 5th through the 7th with the rule five draft on the 7th. And then later in January, we get into arbitration tendering and, and all that wonderful stuff. We'll get and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get closer. But Matt, the offseason has begun. The Phillies have to get right back into things and, and rebuilding and retooling and reconfiguring this roster just like that after the come down from the world series. And here we are at the outset of what should be a really interesting couple of months.
1: This is the last time you're going to hear from me for a while. I'm not getting right back into it.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. You deserve a little break. No,
1: I'm I'm going to take some time off, but, uh, you know, November should be a a relatively quiet ish month. You know, we've seen this in the sport. I mean, it's been trending toward more January activity, some December, um, it's true, and I fully expect that the shortstop market doesn't get resolved, you know, until till after the new year. But we'll see. Um, you're right; it is going to be a really interesting off season. And and and, uh, you know, the, the first few days this week, I was just trying to refamiliarize myself with everything um, before I do take some vacation time. But uh, I was realizing that the, the Phillies have a fellow named Taylor Scott on the 40 man roster. Um, <laughs> I was trying to go back and see all these different. Wait, they do, you know. Yes. He was a waiver claim, uh, with about two weeks to go in the season, a reliever. Uh, <laughs> I completely missed this. <laughs> I was just looking at, you know, w- w- they're at 39 right now after all the wow free agent and option decisions. And then, you know, you activate everyone from the, the injured list, um, in your head and that gets you to 39 and mm-hmm. there's a lot more to go. Uh, but you're right. Uh, it- it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I have no doubt the Phillies are going to be active and 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 they should be. I have no doubt that the Phillies will exceed the luxury tax barrier again as they should. I think this entire offseason is about the front office now trying to capitalize on the momentum that was built in the final you know five-ish weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not it's a fluke, whether or not we believe you know that was the true Phillies or whether they were overachieving then or underachieving early in the season, whatever it's the front office's job now to capitalize on this momentum because there is momentum, you know, despite losing the world series in six games to uh, an Astros team that was unquestionably better. Uh, you have some momentum and it's time to seize it. And uh, they, they have spots in the roster where they can improve. There are obvious targets. Uh, and I would expect that Dave Dombrowski uh, pursues high end talent for those targets.
0: you mentioned, the the likelihood of exceeding the tax and and all of that wonderful stuff and and that should become the new norm i think that is something we we should familiarize ourselves with but you look at what's already happened just in the couple of days since we last checked in with everybody since the world series ended the the phillies have made a couple of moves already um as was probably expected gene segura's option was declined and said he'll receive his buyout that was going to be for one year and 17 million dollars he is currently a free agent Although there's a path toward him returning potentially, we'll we'll see how that I goes. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aaron. Outside no- shot. Like a ten yeah. percent chance. Yeah. That that feels about right to me too. Um, Aaron Nola's option, on the other hand, was exercised. That was a club option picked up for this year, one season, sixteen million dollars. That's a no brainer. Um, and Zach Eflin, which I think we all expected when this his 2022 contract was agreed on and this option was announced. It was one year, fifteen million, mutual he declined his side and he will be a free agent. I think that's more just along the lines of, he's probably gonna get more guaranteed money. Um, Maybe not at that AAV, just probably more guaranteed money from somebody
1: two or three years. I think so,
0: yeah. Um, Which he deserved, I mean, he's a good pitcher. He came back and he proved he could work in a relief role, probably get uh, offers as a starter that's fine there's but is is there a chance he comes back to I, I think maybe? there's a
1: chance but I, yeah. I don't know don't you like i, I as much as i zach f on the person is someone I, I respect i have a great deal of respect for and, and had mm-hmm. a, you know incredible amount of respect inside the clubhouse because of what he went through and how he worked to get back I, I don't know like how do you guarantee him two or three years like can you i mean you just don't know like and and it and it It's hard to admit that because Zach Eflin, when healthy and when right, is a tremendous mid-rotation starter. I think he's a really valuable pitcher on your staff and has a lot of upside. I think just the the floor, you know, the ceiling is high and the floor is low. I mean, there's so much variance in that contract, and and uh, I don't know. I'm not really sure how you can guarantee him a multi-year deal, right?
0: Yeah, I'd be a little worried about his legs holding up. I think we've we've experienced this over the last couple of years. That yes, when he's healthy, he he's absolutely a great mid-rotation piece. You pencil him in as your number three, and you're feeling good about what's going on there. Um, but that's that seems like more of a case of of familiarity breeds. Mm. I don't know, hesitance, because we've experienced all of that more than people from the outside might think we're like a little more gun shy about that thought. Look, yes, give me the healthy Eflin all day, every day, but I, I would worry about the legs
1: a little bit. So we'll see how that's going to have. A, I think he's going to have a pretty decent market. I've actually been kind of so surprised too. by like the national predictions about like, you know, what he might get. Uh, I've seen like three years and 39 million. Like I, I, I would be really surprised if he gets that, but maybe he mm. does. I don't know.
0: Yeah. That that would be great for him. I, I don't think the Phillies give him that like we're saying, but yeah, th- that's why he declined his side of the option. He's going to get more than 15 million guaranteed. However, it ends up shaking out. And I think maybe in the back of his mind, given his injuries, getting more guaranteed money is probably, uh, yeah, right. That now, option was written
1: fun. in. It was never going to get exercised by yeah. either side yeah
0: uh beyond that beyond the the free agents that that um just were, were optioned or had their options declined we also have the likes of and this joins the group that was released earlier in the year that includes Dede gregorius et cetera, etc uh chris Devensky, he of the the two appearance fame at the end of the season <laughs> kyle gibson is a free agent now as well as brad hand uh cory is officially a free agent as well as Trade deadline acquisitions, David Robertson and Noah Syndergaard, who is not eligible for the qualifying offer. Not that any of those others would get it anyway. So don't expect don't expect the Phillies to tender a QO to anybody uh, among that group. It is unlikely to me that any of them return. Maybe there's a chance at Syndergaard. I don't really know what his market looks like. Um, I, I liked him on the, the team. The best but...
1: guy out of that group, the guy with the best chances to return, uh, is Robertson,
0: you know, good. I'm happy to hear you say that. I am I'm, I'm continuing to hold out for, I mean, I guess he kind of had his redemption moment in the world series. And that was nice. I, I, I still feel like the Robertson story with the Phillies is, is a bit incomplete. I feel like he's better than he's shown in his time here. And I just, I want him to have that. I want him to show everybody like, yes, I am better. I'm, I'm better than this. So that would be cool. Uh, and finally, Another big money figure thing happening later in the offseason is arbitration. Yay, get used to that word. We start with Jose Alvarado, who um, is projected by MLB Trade Rumors to make just a little bit north of $3 million, somewhere in there. And these projections are unofficial, of course, but they usually give you a good idea of what the player's market looks like. You have Sam Coonrod. Remember him? Uh, He may not be tendered, not really sure what's what's happening with him, but he's projected to make just under a million dollars. Sir Anthony Dominguez, (laughs) you know he's going to be back. He's pegged for about two million. Reese Hoskins, brace yourselves for this number uh, in his his pending free agent year. I'm fine with this because I I, I know this is how baseball works and and what guys typically get paid in their final year of arbitration, approaching free agency. But this may cause a little bit of sticker shock to some of you, especially those of you who... Harbor a bit of a grudge toward Reese for your reasons. He is projected to make, uh, just over 12 and a half million dollars in arbitration this year remains Still to be lower,
1: seen. I think than the AAV that Anthony Rizzo and Josh Bell are going to get in free agency.
0: Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Well, well, I guess we'll see about bell, but Rizzo, I definitely agree with. Um, so yeah, look out for that. Not really sure what fate Hoskins what fate awaits Hoskins this off season. I, I felt Just for a brief derail, I I felt like at the beginning of this year, the beginning of 2022, that we were headed toward a trade situation with Reese this offseason. Not that I wanted that, but it never really felt as though the team wanted to commit to him long term, whether it was because of other players on the roster or just feelings toward Reese in general. But it always sort of seemed like this was going to be a lame duck year for him and that maybe there was something to be salvaged there. And now, that this season has actually passed and things have gone on. I Don't really know that that's the best plan anymore. And I don't think that's I, I definitely not likely. I, I think right now it's more likely you just get the, the one year deal and move on from there. Um, trading. Yeah, I mean, mm, we'll, we'll
1: talk about heat reads yeah. a lot all off season, but oh, I, I yeah. still believe that, um, he, he, he holds more value to the 2023 Phillies than he does in a trade. I think. Yeah. And, I'm not even sure what his trade market would look like. I I don't know what you'd be getting in return, and and if you do move on from him, then you're then you're all of a sudden having to invest um, probably more than twelve million dollars into first base, unless you're moving Boehm over and then you're investing in a third base, much. again you'd still be spending more than twelve million dollars at that position. So, um, I, I think they have some some more important holes to fill, and if you do go out and get, you know, a a, a, a star shortstop. Um, you know maybe that bumps hoskins down in the order it bumps down his importance to you know the roster as a whole and uh i think that's the path they'll take
0: yeah and and if you if you're somebody who's thinking about the likes of you know uh increasing the importance of derek hall look he's he's not playable against left-handed pitchers and more than just money If you have to burn another roster spot on a playable first baseman, that's just not the best use of roster spaces. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about Hoskins later on. Uh, Rounding out the arbitration eligibles, we have Edmundo Sosa, who is a super two this offseason. He's pegged to make about a million dollars. Feels like an absolute no-brainer to have him back, given the Phillies' opinion of him. And Ranger Suarez, Phillies' hero Ranger Suarez, due to make about three and a half million dollars. So all of that adds up somewhere around $20 million in arbitration-eligible players, depending on how things shake out, whether some of them get contract extensions. That all remains to be seen. The big picture here is that the Phillies are returning the vast majority of their core, the core of the team that got them to the World Series, that put them on this run, um, you know, that, that fell short of winning 90 games in the regular season. But as we saw all, all postseason, when it performs like it's supposed to is absolutely deadly. It just needs to get to the playoffs. Um, but there are decisions to be made here uh, more than just, you know, tendering arbitration eligible players, a contract or, or figuring out um, you know <laughs> what are you going to do at first base, et cetera, et cetera. There are lingering questions about some players on the roster and how they might recover from this extended run. Or in the case of one particular star player, a big old injury that's been hanging over him for most of the year. We are, of course, talking about Matt Veerling. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about Bryce Harper and his inability to throw because he has a bad elbow. Uh, Matt, this is kind of a big deal. We don't really know exactly what the severity of the injury is to Bryce right now. We don't know at this moment of recording. We're recording uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, at this moment, what the plan of action would be, what the potential recovery time would be, all of the things we were just talking about, at least at a high level with regard to this team's offseason plans, a lot of it seems like it might hinge on exactly how much time we would expect Harper to miss at the start of next year, right?
1: Yeah. And if he does have surgery, which I I, I do expect him to have some kind of surgery, I don't know what surgery it will be. There's different procedures that he could uh, have to fix the the ligament in his elbow, um, if you're looking at, you know, maybe two months of without having him as a hitter and, or maybe one month of not having him as a hitter and two or three months of not having him as a right fielder, because I do think he will return as a hitter before he returns as a right fielder, just because it's Bryce and he will want to be back when he can hit, yeah. even if he can't throw yet. And that's fine. As long as the swinging doesn't, you know, uh, negatively affect his throwing rehab, uh, which I, I don't think it would, uh, you're probably not, you know, making transactions this offseason, huge transactions. If you're looking at, you know, maybe two or three months of a of a not 100 percent Harper. Right. Yeah. So you're looking internally and Derek Hall does become important insurance, I believe, mm. uh, for the club. You know, as a left handed hitting, uh, you know, DH first base type, uh, I, I think you could you know, maybe get Hoskins more DH time, you know, early in the season. If that's something you wanted to do, I, you know, I think. With Harper, there's there are a lot of questions, and and we could get some answers this week, maybe even after we record this. But you know the one the one surgery you could have that's not Tommy John is this internal brace repair. And, um, Reece Hoskins actually had this surgery after the 2020 season, but it was on his non-throwing elbow. You'll recall, like it was a game in Miami, it was a bad throw into the runner, and he caught it, and the runner just kind of bent, you know, ran yeah. right into his arm and bent it backward, and and, and really hurt it. Uh, and, and Hoskins recovery time, I think, you know, he was ready for the start of the season, the next season he was back, but it was like four to six months that was for his non throwing elbow. And that was just like, you know, four to six months to recover. So he could swing, uh, and be in, and be at full strength in game. So Har- Harper's going to miss some time. I-, I think that's pretty clear. And, and, you know, even if the doctor gives them two pads, like this is really, this is a good question here. It's like, okay, what if the evaluation is that, you know, maybe more rest, and then you try to, you know, conservatively come back with a throwing program without surgery. Uh, you try it again in February. Uh, I, I don't know if I would want to go down that road. And it's not as simple as, oh, just go get the surgery, because you know, having surgery is a serious thing. I don't know that yeah. Harper's even you know, the heart, the surgery he had to insert the pins into his broken thumb, I believe was the first uh procedure he's ever had. I'm not quite sure, but I, I think that was the first time he ever had surgery. And Here's the problem with the conservative approach: is that if it doesn't work, all of a sudden, then you're looking at okay, well, does he have the surgery now and he misses the whole season, or does he have this? You know, does he wait to have the surgery until after the 2023 season and he's a DH again for all of next season? Mm-hmm. You don't want either one of those scenarios. I mean, almost certainly you're going to want, you know, to address it right now, and and that probably means some sort of surgery. I mean, he. Um, I, I think he had a, a rather uh, solid tear of his, of, of a ligament in his arm and uh, his elbow, excuse me. And uh, you know, I, I understand the conservative approach with which they had last year made total sense. Um, you know, it, it made sense. I mean, look, if they yeah, didn't have yeah. Harper at the end, they weren't going to get to the world series. Exactly. So everybody wins. And, and is he getting a month you know, later start to, to, the rehab process for the elbow now. Yeah, he is. But I think the Phillies would have traded that uh a hundred times out of a hundred because it meant that they won the National League pennant. Yep. And uh they're probably gonna be without him, you know, for part of the 2023 season. And you mentioned other players, I mean there you know, there's always you want to avoid this hangover effect of a long season. Uh the season ended really late. Uh the Phillies played uh on the latest date that a game has ever been played in Major League Baseball, uh game six of the World Series. So Uh, There's concerns about Zach Wheeler, you know, there's concerns about, I think, Sir Anthony Dominguez, he pitched a lot and it was after not really pitching in, in three seasons. So, you know, there's different workload aspects to this. There's, there's questions I think about Wheeler's health and maybe we'll get some answers about that in the coming days. But, um, I think they will be really conservative with a lot of their pitchers. You might see guys start a little slower in spring training, uh, it, it's just things you got to think about after the kind of season they had. And it's all good things because they went deep into the playoffs, but oh yeah, these are things that they have to factor in. it's like, you know, already, you know, and we'll talk about Andrew Painter and Mick Gable and Griff McGarry. Like you're already looking at those guys as factoring into the bigs in 2023, but you know, those guys aren't going to pitch a full season most likely, even though that Painter got up there, they really pushed both Painter and Abel. Uh, but, If you're already going to be managing their innings and now you're thinking about maybe having to manage some of your other pitchers innings, this does make, I think, acquiring another starting pitcher or two uh, or a swingman type that can begin the season in the rotation, move to the bullpen, etc. I think all this is is really important uh, to consider this offseason.
0: Yeah, you, we we were talking about all the money that's gonna you know come off the books, so to speak, and how it, it's just gonna get shuffled in in some different ways at the outset here. But they, they are gonna be well under what they spent last year to start. The importance of that is not just feeling as though you can say, "All right, hey Trey Turner, here's thirty million dollars," or "Hey Xander Bogarts, here's here's you know twenty thirty million dollars, whatever it is, one of those star guys." and it does seem as though the phillies are going to pursue one of those guys whether it's turner whether it's bogarts whether it's Correa, whether it's swanson somebody you know with with some clout and cachet i think that's the expectation right now but that's not the only thing about this offseason and it is not the only thing on which a successful offseason hinges right whether the phillies do or do not land one of those four guys or or another star player yet to be linked to having that financial ability that expected financial ability this team should be spending money no matter what, but that's that's my own personal view. Um, to work around some of these these other issues, like you were talking about, having to give that extra importance to the starting rotation because likely, you know, Aaron Nolan Zach Wheeler threw a lot of baseballs, and Ranger Suarez also threw a lot of baseballs. Yep. Um, you know, that's three fifths of your rotation. You can't just expect two rookies to come up and immediately fill that out and then pick up the slack when one of those three guys almost inevitably maybe has to miss a little time or might be a little bit effective at this uh, ineffective at the start of the year like those are things you have to plan for so look for the rotation to get a boost too absolutely like, there's there's gonna need I, to be a lot of work on the pitching side
1: yeah and i think a swing i think you're gonna look at like you want a swing man type because you do think that those kids are gonna factor in the rotation so maybe you get somebody who can do both roles who can maybe begin the season in the rotation and i haven't really I apologize. I haven't really gone through the free agent list very much. Uh, I, I just haven't had a chance. I was totally not on my mind for all these weeks here. But yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's nice to not one, think like that. The one, yeah, crazy, right? The one thing I have gone through, Paul, and this is—I I know this might be like a little twisted logic here—but I'm looking at the money that's coming off the books, and it's um, it's about sixty million, roughly. There's different way. I mean, it's hard to calculate it, but about sixty million, roughly, when you can when you're accounting for AAV you know, for mm-hmm. luxury tax purposes, which is really the number that matters here for the Phillies. But I look at a number and it's 33.9 million. And that is the, the amount of AAV money that I consider to be total dead money. This is from players who were not active in the postseason. This is $34 million of money that uh, the Phillies got zero from during the best run of the season. And that's, mm. that's, con- that's contained in DD Gregorius, Corey Knebel, Jerry's Familia, Odubel Herrera, and Johan Camargo. Those guys totaled 33.9 million dollars uh, of AAV money. Wow. That is real money that can be reinvested and doesn't take away from anything the Phillies had in that run. And obviously, there's other money too: the Segura money, the Gibson money, the, the Eflin money. You know, the prorated money for Syndergaard and Robertson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm just looking at the dead money: players who did not contribute, were not active for the postseason. Thirty-four million. That is not an insignificant number.
0: That's a huge number. That's almost an entire payroll for a couple of teams last year. And it's just dead. It's just dead. It's guys who didn't play in the playoffs. It's it's wild. Look, I, I I like that the Phillies have have justified the spending with what they did last season. Right. All of it feels as though is almost immediately validated. Like it's the first season they go over over the cap over the threshold. It's not a cap when they go over the threshold and what do you know? Some of the guys, some of the guys they paid a lot of money for. Yeah, they didn't really work out. But some of those other guys, oh yeah, that paid off immediately. Like spending
1: money works
0: when you do it the right way. So <laughs>
1: when you spend money, there's also going to be a lot of dead money too. I mean, it's just, yeah, the way well, it works. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it they um, could be a little more efficient with the spending, but that's all right. Sure. You know, it's kind of the path they've chosen.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's going to happen. Every team has a dud in every off season. Like there's probably going to be somebody the Philly sign this year who, who does the same thing that, you know, Didi did. I, I don't know. Like you just, you can't predict this stuff. Like, eh, it's just kind of the stuff that happens. You look at the, the starting pitcher free agent list, right. Just on a, on a, a cursory glance. And there are some high profile names, but also a bunch of guys who feel pretty serviceable. I mean, I don't know what Jacob de Gram or Carlos Rodon are going to do. I don't I'm think not, they're
1: shopping in that market.
0: And I yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's really the play. I don't think that's the move. But, you know, I, I've always liked Jose Quintana. I talked about him a lot leading up to the trade deadline. He feels like he could be a match there. Um, you look at somebody like Andrew Heaney, who's a curiosity, hasn't pitched a lot, but was really effective last year when he did, you're looking for sort of stop gappy type things, swing men, like you were mentioning, maybe not a guy you would ink to a five-year deal like you did with Zach Wheeler a couple years ago, but just somebody who, somebody who can pick up innings. Um, you know, maybe that's not the best thing to do with Andrew Heaney, but if you feel like he's healthy, you know, that's, that's something to weigh. There's a lot of curiosity about what the Phillies can do. And it goes beyond the, the shortstop market there are um, ways that you can use this money, this available money, this um, maybe look at a pillow contract for a guy coming off a down year, um, something yeah. akin to what, you know, Sean Doolittle went through a year or two ago and came back and was, and was uh, very effective. So uh, there are a lot of different avenues, a lot of different options. Um, and, and I think that's going to make it ex- exciting and hard to predict, right? Because there's also the possibility that Maybe one of these players who was on the National League Championship team doesn't return for some reason, whether there's a, a, a surprise trade or, or an unexpected non-tender, off-season injuries happen too. That's always something to keep in mind, although maybe you don't necessarily plan for that. There's a lot that can happen. And I think it's it's patience is important with all of baseball, of course, but I, I don't really feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and maybe this is good given your timing. It doesn't really feel like there's going to be a lot that's going to happen before the winter meetings in the first week of December, right?
1: Now, a couple of things. Just branching off what you said, yeah. I do think they'll pursue uh, a Nick Castellanos trade. I don't know mm-hmm. what that looks like. I don't know if it happens. Uh, I think they pursue it. He's got four and eighty left. You know, maybe there's different paths to a trade like this. It's a bad contract for a bad contract. Uh, it's attaching a young player and eating or, you know, or, and, or eating, you know, half the contract to get rid of it. Um, I don't know if it's a great fit. I think everybody involved, you know, probably would, would say that there's questions about the fit. Um, it doesn't look like a good contract at all. It really doesn't. And, 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 you know, what, whatever he did, you know, he had some big plays in the postseason. but notwithstanding, I mean, it was a disappointing season and, I wonder if they try to move on from that. so that that's one player I would certainly watch this off season. it's it will not like I said, I don't even know if it's likely to happen. It is certainly something though I think that they will consider and at least try to broadcast out there and see what teams you know bite what what teams you know present some interesting um, solutions for them there. Uh, I wonder, Paul, like how many pitchers do you think they need to acquire? You know, this offseason, I mean, like you're trying to figure out the bullpen, it's it's a fool's errand to try to figure out a pitching staff on November 9th uh, yeah. <laughs> for the next season. But, you know, you, we have we firmly believe, you know, there's three stars in place. You know, it's pretty clear. Uh, Nola Wheeler and Suarez are, are firmly in the rotation barring injury mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the bullpen. You know, we, there's firmly Dominguez Alvarado. Brogdon and bloody like I guess you make them you know they're solid middle relievers yeah, like, I'm not yeah. you know they're both they're, they're pieces of a of a good they movement, are they are right yes. they are and so that's that's four okay and so then you know there would be some guys who rise internally but you're looking at two starters and you know six ish seven ish relievers uh, and some of them will come internally some of them will come from the outside but that that seems like a lot right
0: well it, he, here's here's what I'd like to see happen and maybe this happens first, maybe this happens as a result of an acquisition, I don't know. But there are two guys, two arms, who I'd really like to see a commitment to in one role or another. They are Bailey Falter and Christopher Sanchez. All right. Bailey Falter.
1: I can tell I, you what I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay, all right. Let, let me let me word dump this first, and then I, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Bailey Falter, when he was starting, had some interesting moments. As a reliever, he seemed a little less effective Um, Because the stuff didn't really play up. And that was maybe a little disappointing, but I guess not unexpected. I'm not really sure what the team thinks about him, what his role is, whether he's somebody who can be relied upon to pitch 180 innings, Uh, probably not for next year, but I would at least like to see a commitment one way or another. The thing with him, he has an option year, So it's possible he goes up and down and and is a, a quad A type thing maybe along the lines of the swing man you were talking about as an internal option. The other Christopher Sanchez has no options left, which is really important for him because he either needs to make the team out of spring training or something's going to happen there. And I don't really know what this team thinks about Chris Sanchez. I mean, we, we we've heard for a couple of years now that they think highly of the guy, right? That they think that he is a, a valuable arm that can pitch some meaningful innings, but We've seen him in both roles and very sporadically. He hasn't seemed to be trusted in real high leverage spots. He hasn't been a a starter consistently at any point in the major league level. I don't really know what the deal is here, but if he's a starter, maybe you have him in the rotation to start the year and pick up for a little bit of slack if some of the other guys are slow to return or you need to manage the rookie innings. With that, I'd like to segue to you and, and what you think might happen with those two guys and anybody else who might be a, a contender for the rotation, maybe Michael Plassmeyer or somebody like that.
1: I think Bailey Falter starts the year in the rotation, and I okay. think, as you alluded to, like maybe he goes up and down, maybe he is that swingman type who goes into a reliever role later in the year, maybe when you know, one of the kids comes up. And I think Chris Sanchez begins the year in their bullpen as a middle reliever. I think okay. Sanchez will be... Become a full time reliever in 2023. I think they like the idea of him back there a lot, and I think they're going to fully commit to that role. And and I see both of them factoring into 23. I do. I think um, they're the kind of depth that that uh, um, a a good team needs. Uh, Chris Sanchez is out of options, Um, and so now it's time to kind of you know it's time to make a decision here Um, because he can't he can't be going back and forth uh, in between roles and between the minors like. He's out of options. Uh, he, he will have to be on the big league team or else, and I think it's as a reliever. I think that's his best path, and I think they like him there.
0: Well, good. I mean, as long as it seems like they are shaping up to finally making a commitment there, I think that's really all I want, and then we'll we'll see how they handle it from there.
1: So I was looking at the 40-man roster, Paul, and they're at 39 right now, and I just wrote down in my paper here, and apologies to all these guys, and I'm going to list off. I've got eight guys <laughs> I would take off right now today. Eight, I okay. I can take off right now. Okay. I've got. Uh, we mentioned Coonrod. He he's a non tender, I think. In my opinion, yeah. maybe they bring him back on a minor league deal, but I think he's off the forty. Uh, the other guys I'm going to list off are that I would take off today are Mark Appel, Vinny mm-hmm. Natoli, mm-hmm. uh Kent Emanuel, yeah, Taylor Scott, who does is on the forty man <laughs> roster. He does exist. Right. Yeah. Uh, D- Damon Jones, lefty reliever. Mm. Uh, Hans Krauss is a DFA. Oh, I boy. think. Um, I, I, he's a DFA and I'll leave it at that, uh, and Donnie Sands, the fourth catcher. Mm. And
0: okay. then
1: that's eight. I don't know if they get rid of all eight. I would get rid of all eight today. I think it's not even a problem. I think some of those guys get through waivers and you keep them. Uh, the other decision they'll have to make, they, they don't have any rule five decisions. Um, and that, and that's like you said, that's so earlier this year that comes next week. Johan Rojas gets on the 40, obviously, you know, had a good, had a good AFL, still a lot of questions about the hit tool, but I do believe that the rule changes in the sport uh, will greatly benefit a player like Johan Rojas. Um, You know, the stolen base numbers were huge in the minors and everyone's like, oh, we'll be careful because the rules are different down there. Like, you know, they're a little inflated and certainly they're inflated, but now those rule changes, a lot of them are going to be in the majors. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if his future is with the Phillies, but I do believe that his value as a prospect is solid and you know could be used in a trade soft season you know let's not forget they did commit to brandon marsh they like brandon marsh i think there's a lot of upside to brandon marsh we, we saw some of it um he's not a platoon player that in their eyes i know they used him as a platoon player here in the postseason i think with a little more time uh with their hands on him i, I believe that they'll you know they're going to next year with him as an everyday guy at least to start of the year and see what happens uh the one interesting 40-man decision I think they're going to have to make is, uh, and, and I've actually heard some feedback from some people who saw him in the AFL, is uh, De La Cruz, the outfielder. Carlos, Carlos. De La Cruz. Yeah, Big yeah, guy, yeah. a lot of strikeouts, a lot of power. Uh, the question is, like, you're not going to have both him and Jalen Ortiz on the 40-man roster. They're very similar types, right? So I think they have to make a decision there. It's whether they keep. Ortiz on the 40 or whether they go to De La Cruz and take Ortiz off the 40. I don't think you can, as a contending team and the 40 man spots are very, uh, very coveted and very much at a premium. I don't think you can carry both of them. So they'll have to make a decision there. I have heard from other people that if they do not put De La Cruz on the roster, he will get rule five and that stuns me. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but he, you know, there's intriguing things about him. Uh, I I don't be, I don't necessarily believe in that. I don't know that he gets picked. Really raw, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts. But he's a big dude who's kind of interesting. So I don't know. I, we're getting in the roster weeds now. I haven't done this in a long time now because yeah, I had so much bigger things to worry about. But I, I heard that a guy like Francisco Morales had a really nice AFL.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, more strikes. He's a guy who could factor in a bullpen picture in 2023 for sure. That's good, no question. That's good. Um Christian Hernandez is a guy who was in the AFL who had good numbers. I, I don't know that he gets added. Um I think he's kind of like on the fringe right now. The 40 man ad. I guess it depends on how many guys they take off. Um so you know there there's there's little roster things that'll happen in the next few weeks. Um nothing rather too, you know, rather significant, but you'll start to see, you know, how they evaluate some of the fringe of the roster. I'm sure you'll see them make a waiver claim or two. That's what they do. Um, Sam fold gets to have like two or three spots in the 40 that he has control of. And Dombrowski has a lot of the, the other control, which is, you know, that's fine. It's Dave's thing. Um, but are those names that I mentioned taken off? Is there any way that you got, you know, you're really angry about me taking off?
0: <laughs> no, actually, although it does make me realize that um, like you were mentioning the, the, especially on the offensive side, the, the depth portion of this roster right now, it is, its mostly set on the bench, which the bench feels kind of weird. Set. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like, you know, Garrett Stubbs is coming back as, as your, your catcher number two with, you know, if you non tender sands, then you have Rafael March on behind him. Who's still only going to be like 22 or whatever. Like, solid depth. Yeah. Solid depth. Great. Switch hitting catcher who plays nice defense. Yeah. Great. You take that every day. Um, Edmundo Sosa is going to be back. He's only going to make about a million dollars or whatever. That's perfect. Utility money he plays anywhere on the infield. People like him. He seemed like he was great in the clubhouse. Yeah, A, plus. Yeah. keep him around. Uh, Matt Veerling is probably going to be around as your, you know, Swiss Army knife outfielder, maybe second baseman or third baseman if things go yeah. weird, um, which is great. Then things get a little bit questionable. I think then you think about whether, you know, do you carry uh, Derek Hall as a left handed power bat, given you cover the infield and outfield with Sosa and Vierling? Do you cover with, does Yara Munoz come back? He's out of options, so maybe not.
1: Oh, I would have, like, can I put, I should have put him on my 40 man remove.
0: Well, there and you he's go. He's the kind <laughs> of guy. He's the
1: kind of guy you take off and then try to resign to a minor contract again. But yeah, he's yeah. there. You go. That's a ninth guy. Munoz yeah. should be also off the forty man today. Yes. So I mean, th-
0: there are options there. And then one lingering thing, and this this might be taking a bit of a sad turn, but it it is worth asking. He's entering his final guaranteed contract year, making a little over eight million dollars. Scott Kingery. Um look, th- this is this is not a great story right now, and it's it's sad what what has happened. Thankfully, he has his health and all of that. That's wonderful. But right now, he hasn't been a factor in this team's plans at all. Is the plan just to have him as AAA depth again? Is there a thought that maybe he's recovered enough to seek more, you know, some kind of major league role with another team and they cut him? What, have you heard anything about Scott Kingery and, and what the deal might be with him for this offseason and 2023?
1: No idea, but what I think you do is you bring him to spring training and you have him compete for a bench spot, and maybe another team uh, sees something in him. Maybe he has a good spring and he makes the team. But you look at that last bench spot. Like, let's just assume it's Stubbs, Sosa, mm-hmm. and Veerling are three spots, and that last bench spot. I mean, it could be Maton, Guthrie, Hall, uh, Kingery, somebody you sign on a minor league contract. I mean, that's great. Like, there's some real depth there. I mean, there's and there's some guys that can go to the minors. I mean, Guthrie and Maton both have options. Hall is an option. Uh, even Vierling has an option if you got to send him out, uh, just, just some solid like bench depth here. And this isn't the sexiest thing, but this is just allowing them to devote their attention and their resources to more important areas. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Like you don't need to think about acquiring a backup catcher, a utility infielder, like the Johan Camargo deal and, and do all of this while you're trying to lure, you know, some top end talent. I mean, luckily the Phillies were able to accomplish all of these things last off season didn't really work out but with the bench mostly set not just with your likely you know major league level candidates but with the guys immediately behind them too you'd expect you know you mentioned Nick Maton i i completely glossed over him cuz the depth chart i'm looking at has him penciled in as as the starting second baseman for the moment um which will not be the case <laughs> but if it is well Things taking a more interesting turn than we realized. Something you know, terrible well. has anyway, happened. Um, yeah, yeah it, it is nice to, to not have to pay too much attention to that. And just, you know, the, the less you have to focus on and worry about as, you know, a decision maker in a front office or anything like that, the better your, your quality of decisions, I just feel like. Unless you have unlimited resources and unlimited time and unlimited people to devote to every corner of this market, both trade and free agency and, you know, across the league, across divisions, across the country geographically if you're able to just narrow that focus then then things turn out better and there's a reason to think that you know you, to be happy first of all that those are your guys in line for the bench spots right we're not just talking about you know dead weight likely to to ride pine and just be like well okay that's who we got but people like these guys both as as people and as players like that's that yeah. that's good um so they're working from a real a real nice floor here if that's what we want to call it
1: the only the only area it might negatively affect you is that you know because you have this all set, you can focus more on your minor league free agent uh, acquisitions. But minor league free agents are always looking they're they're looking for money and but they're mostly looking for a, a, the best opportunity. And you look at the depth chart, and if you're a middle infield uh, minor league free agent, you're probably not signing with the Phillies because uh, there's some mm-hmm. really good depth there. And like like you said, they not not only have the bench relatively figured out, but they have the you know the next options on the bench also figured out. So. You know, it, this will like having this set. You know, having this depth will allow them to focus a lot on their minor league free agents, and I think that's important. We've seen that over the years. That that's an area that they haven't necessarily struck gold in all the time. But when you do hit it, and they hit it a couple times this past uh, this past season, uh, it's important. So things are
0: looking good right now. It's it's really nice to feel that way at the outset of an off season. Reason to be optimistic, up and down the roster, with potential for. Hopefully, a top-tier edition of some form later on this winter. It's probably going to be another another wait until late January, early February, just because, you know, that's the way the sport moves these days. But there's reason to feel good about that. There's reason to feel good about, um, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, most of uh, the lineup that's coming back to feel good about the the top of the rotation, assuming, you know, recovery goes well, and we'll see how things shake out when everybody reports in February, of course. But there's a long time to go between now and then, and a lot left to happen. Again, free agency opens Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Not really a high expectation of a lot of activity right then. We've seen a little bit of things happening here and there. You know, most notably the Edwin Diaz deal with the Mets. Um, but who knows? Surprises have happened before. Maybe the Phillies do something ahead of the winter meetings. Either way. um, Matt this may be the last time we hear from you for a little bit uh, ideally with you know less huge activity happening between now and the winter meetings you get a little bit of time to to decompress to recharge get back in the uh and get back in the swing of things because it's a short off season for you too um or at least short turnaround time um any any parting words before you leave us for for the next however long until the next large move brings you back into our warm embrace in podcast land?
1: Uh, not really. <laughs> I, I do think, I I think this is, this is an off season made for Dave. Oh yeah. I, I really do. I mean, I think this is the kind of, you know, they, they are not going to trade their three best pitching prospects. Like they've already made that clear. And it's not like you, you can get, you know, there's not going to be a lot of hand wringing about the players. They might trade. There are very clear places for them to upgrade on the roster. There are resources in front of him to upgrade. He has an ownership that is hungry to feel what they just felt again and will be willing to spend. You have this momentum that you've built, and I think Dombrowski is in a fine position to try to capitalize on that. You know, Will he? I don't know. I think they'll try really hard. Uh, I think that there are a lot of different ways this offseason could go, and I think a lot of them are, are – are, involved the Phillies acquiring good players and, and even if they don't acquire the best players available, I think they're gonna acquire good players and I think uh this is the, the they're in a good spot. I really do think that. I think the one thing that if you say was a really bad misstep at this point, they're gonna to try to correct it this offseason is probably the Cascina's yeah. you know, contract. Um it th- does not look good. Uh but uh, like you said, I mean, when you're a big market team and you're wading into luxury tax territory, uh, you're, you're probably going to make a mistake like this. Um, you just wish it wasn't for five years and one hundred million dollars. And uh, it's not a contract that's going to cripple the Phillies. I guess they're in that that position. That's kind of a luxury they have where you can have that kind of misstep. But I do expect them to, to try to look at that situation. I think that's all right.
0: There watch. we go. It's all laid out in front of us. The offseason awaits. If you haven't already out there, uh, be sure to to check out Matt's written version of this uh, off season primer on The Athletic published earlier this week. Um, I will be back with you in some form, hopefully with a, f- a few guests, maybe some familiar, some new to the show to go over any moves that might happen later on this month here in November when things get a little more meticulous in those roster weeds we were talking about. We'll be with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I roster. love this stuff. I News.
1: love it. You know, oh. I do love that stuff. I do. But I just I'm going to have to just I'm going to have to just like take a backseat. <laughs> next week, so I just need to I need to I need to walk away from this. Well, if,
0: if you need a companion to help catch you up to speed, I know of a podcast that, that might do the job. Uh, so for <laughs> so for Matt Gelb with The Athletic. Yeah, right. Uh, so for Matt Gelb with The Athletic, I am Paul Boyer. Uh, the offseason has begun. There's a lot of interesting stuff set to happen, and we'll be ready for it. I hope everybody uh, has had enough time to decompress from the World Series. Get pumped back up for all this little nerdy roster stuff, or if not, just turn your brain off until February. I won't begrudge you that either. We'll be back with you um, later this month. Again, for Matt, I'm Paul. We'll catch you in a bit.